right, and welcome to episode 45 of Etc. Etc. I'm your host, Aug Stone. Wow, 45. Big musical number there. So it's fitting that I've got one of the best bands on the show today. Fight Milk! Their new album, Contender, is just plain awesome and is currently the pop album of the year to beat. I love it, man. I'm psyched to have them back on the show. Lily was actually my very first guest when I started this podcast last year, talking about her solo EP. And now she's back, joined by Alex, and we went through the album Song by Excellent Song, with a lot of diversions in there as well. Before we get to it, if you're a comics fan or just like great art, I wrote an appreciation of the Belgian comics master Maurice Tillier that was published on the Comics Journal site this week, tcj.com. I love Tilly's work, and there really isn't anything about him in English, so I thought I'd rectify that. It was a cool piece to write. I spoke with some other European masters whose work I also love. thought it came out pretty well. And in Young Southpaw news, a couple of exciting things are coming up. Hold tight, they're a secret for now. And I'm just about to record episode 60 of the Young Southpaw Part of an Hour podcast. 60 stories of pure absurdity. Wow. And that means there'll be a new Decalogue collection of them up on Bandcamp. Pay what you want, and of course, free. I've been looking forward to releasing this particular one for a while as it's episodes 51 through 60, giving me the title 5160. That's right. And since Fight Milk and I were talking about bands having their own amusement parks, I thought it fitting to revisit one of the earliest Southpaw stories entitled Jimmy Page's Water Park, which addresses this very topic. The idea being that Page was using Led Zeppelin's 1977 tour as cover to scout locations for a water park. I mean, it would have been rad. You could have rides like The Ocean, Fool in the Rain, Moby Dick, Down by the Seaside, Swan Song. And of course, I mean, Stairway to Heaven, you've got to climb upstairs to go down a water slide. Here's a clip from that story. Or maybe you can just have one giant heavy metal water park, you know? Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner could be Maiden's Ride. And then you could have, like, well, Turbo by Judas Priest. I mean, that cover sure looks like a fun slide to go down, you know? That cyclone she's got in her hand. I mean, you'd whip around that, you know? I mean, Motley Crue, they could have Wild Slide, you know? Or Too Fast for Love. And then Rat, you know, Round and Round. That's perfect for a water slide, you know? Guns and Roses could recreate that bit in the estranged video where Axel's all diving into the ocean, you know. And Def Leppard at high and dry. I mean, the cover is a dude diving off a diving board, you know. I mean, maybe they were on to something. I mean, their next album was called Pyromania. Well, what do you require to put out all that fire? You know, a whole lot of water, as Zeppelin almost sang, you know. And Pyromania starts out with rock, rock till you drop, you know. And Tom Petty, you know, free falling and I won't back down. I can't think of two better songs that sum up my first experiences with water slides, you know. I remember going up and there's like those ones that are basically a vertical drop, you know. I remember being scared by it all. And Petty really addressed my concerns because although I was frightened, I definitely wasn't going to back down. I mean, some might say that Petty's whole career was about water parks. I mean, he came from Florida, you know. But, you know, getting back to more metal, I mean, you know, Metallica, I mean, they could have, uh, 
We'll ride the light. Well, no, I mean, uh, that's not safe, you know, mixing electricity and water, you know. You don't want to be all wet and then get struck by lightning. I mean, that just seems dangerous. Well, it's dangerous to get struck by lightning anyway, but, you know. I mean, ACDC, they got all those high-voltage, powerage songs. I mean, maybe them and Metallica should open a, an electricity park. You know, Shock Me, you know, Kiss getting in on it too. You know, the big, the big three there, you know. I don't know how an electricity park would work, you know. I mean, what do, what do you actually do? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, this probably isn't a good idea. I mean, I don't know who would go, you know. I mean, we could see Deep Purple trying to get in on the action too, you know, trying to combine them, you know, smoke on the water, you know. But with electricity, there was that whole dance, the electric slide. I mean, I don't pretend to understand it. I, I never could get the hang of the thing, you know, never particularly wanted to, you know. But I don't know, I mean... What, did that come about? Was it like some sort of test market for Kiss, Metallica, and ACDC's Electricity Park idea, you know? I mean, you never can tell with these things. I mean, the music business is a nefarious place, you know? I mean, all sorts of things going on at any given time. And, you know, maybe maybe all the music is just a cover, you know? Like how Zeppelin's 1977 tour was just to scout locations for water parks. But, I mean, it brought a lot of people happiness and rock and roll. So, I mean, what's wrong with that, you know? Wow, did I talk fast back then. And the amount of you knows seems to approach the infinite. That was really at the beginning of Southpaw. Amazing, it's been over two years now. And there's a whole lot more to that story up at the Young Southpaw Part of an Hour, episode 17, where all good podcasts are found. And there's a live clip of this from Dangerfield's Comedy Club in New York City from March 2019 on youngsouthpaw.com. Check it all out if you're so inclined. But let's get to today's interview. We talked a lot, and Alex and Lily are always great fun to chat with. So let's get to it. All right. We're here with Lily and Alex from Fight Milk. How you guys doing? Hello. Yeah, all good. Hello, all. Good. all. We're doing okay. Excellent. We've got to stop talking over each other, Alex, or it's going to be a, a long interview. Happened last time, didn't it? It did. I mean, last last time we had a conch to pass. This time we are on an opposite sides of London, which doesn't make life easier. Mm. But mm. passing we'll the digital out. conch. Should, why have they not set up like a conch like on Zoom? Digital conch the... is a great phrase. It <laughs> sounds really dirty. Hey, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why? Well, right in the digital no. conch. Oh. <laughs> oh, talks to your digital asthma. Yeah, let's 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 table the digital conch for now. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about yeah. your new record. Hey. So tell me about oh, yeah. writing and recording it, because this really doesn't sound like a band that's been affected in any way by a global pandemic. <laughs> I mean, it it rocks. It's great. And it's just like you've your trajectory just seems keeps seems to be going up. So like what when when did this all happen? Because I imagine there were delays. Thank you. Um it doesn't really sound like it doesn't sound like it was that hampered by a global pandemic. That's because most of it was recorded before there was a global pandemic, okay. um, which helps. Um, so, I mean, we started writing it before the first album even came out, I think. But Lil, do you remember were there one or two songs we had by the time the first record came out? 
Uh, I know that we've been playing Cool Cool Girl for quite a long time, and that was actually one that our old bassist, who we don't speak of, wrote. Um, <laughs> the Riff gold member fan. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, we we just call him Gold. Uh, he won't go. He won't use his real name. Um, right. But Cool Cool Girl is a very old one, and. If you had a sister knocking around for quite a long time as well. Um that was that was the first one we did with Healy. Oh, I can't remember. They all was, <laughs> I mean, no, to be honest. On. I think the last two and a half years of writing <laughs> and recording have been a complete blur and I've lost all concept of linear time. Um <laughs> but all I know is that some songs are older than others and some are newer than others. Um but writing it. Uh, obviously we had gotten we assume a couple of songs written before uh, Healy even joined the band so this would be going back about three years um, and we had planned to get cracking on the second album as soon as we could after the first one but um, it feels like within maybe three or four months of Healy joining uh, everything just went wrong um, you know, the world so not with the band that was no, all no, the, the band was great but everything else just went on fire. You know, we obviously had the pandemic. We had Brexit happen, which, um, you know, is still shafting us. Um, and when it came to recording, we kind of had to sneak in as quick as we could in between intense national lockdowns because we were in tier four for quite a Well, so tier four is like the most hardcore lockdown um, that we do in the UK. <laughs> you know, it's a make it sound time. like a tradition. I know it basically is now. Um, we we have Morris dancers, Maypoles, and Tier Four in this yeah, country. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the entire album I would say was probably recorded over the space of I want to say about six days, six to eight days in total, with a period of about six months between each session so it was a really disjointed weird recording process that you know we definitely wouldn't have chosen but although it's kind of quite well kind of what we did for the first one anyway it's just that we we were recording as we were we were writing songs and then going in and recording them whereas with this we were like okay we've got enough songs to do most of an album we'll come back and finish the rest in like a couple of months once we've written the rest and then you know lockdown and tier four and pandemic and all that mm. so and we just had to kind of put a pin in it for a while i think we managed two maybe three band practices before the second time we went to the studio like it was all very like lily said it was very like trying to just sneak around in between weird like verifying restrictions and i think what, even in the sorry. what were the last songs you did were, were there any written post-pandemic or like you know we i think last three we had were lucky coin and hey annabelle i think we wrote last january and then girls don't want to have fun was, was a weird girls, one. girls don't want to have fun is a is actually quite an old song but it's had about five different iterations because we didn't know what to do with it so I, I think initially it was like a kind of jaunty, upbeat, acoustic, folky thing, which just was awful. And then well, that was we, we did like, that when Adam was still in the band. Didn't we? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then I think we we were like, okay, no, let's make it 
really heavy and that didn't work either. And then we kind of went, okay, let's just turn it into a Carly Rae Jepsen song. And that didn't work. So and we um, had the Avril Lavigne ballad version. Yeah. And that stuck for a bit. I'm shocked so, the Carly Rae Jepsen version of anything wouldn't work. Well, I was too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really thought that was going to be the one. I don't uh, even remember that version. Oh, I think we tried to do like a Robin dance uh, drum thing. Do you remember? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And it turned out it just needed like we just we just needed to sit on it for like a year, and then it kind of presented itself to us. I don't um, think it's weird because the lyrics didn't change. It was really just trying to work out what to do musically, and I don't yeah. think we've ever. I think it's the first time we've ever laboured that long on a yeah. song. Not, I don't think we ever got like bored of it or annoyed with it at any point, which is again strange and unlike us because usually if something's not working, it's very much like right that to one side, we'll come back to it later, then we forget it exists because Lily's written another like three songs. The electronic elements of the album are new. Was this like a conscious decision or were they just naturally heading? I mean, I guess with this one, it was uh. A I'd say this. Ca- I'd say that a lot of the electronic elements came from um, really not wanting to repeat the first album, trying to get people to stop comparing us to Britpop. Um, How's that been working out for us, Lil? Remind me. Atrociously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think we were we were conscious that we were in danger of just being like a. Um, revivalists or whatever yeah yeah just like um i i don't really listen to that many guitar bands or i certainly don't as much as i used to and i've just kind of was a bit bored of going okay here's four chords on the guitar and here's a little bridge that goes into a chorus and then there will be an extra chord thrown in for effect i was sort of thought there must be something else that we can do um so luckily nick uh the drummer um, you know, he's the drummer, um, is quite good at making little bleeps and bloops. And, you know, he's the, the one of us who knows how like logic works. Um, so was, you know, he, he basically did all of the, or most of the little electronic sounding interludes um, mm. on the album. And and I really liked well, so. the, uh, the titles of the interludes, the contender, tender, bartender. That's- Nice. Yeah, thanks. you like those. What was the decision to put those in? We wanted, to, I don't know why we really wanted to do that just on principle. Like, oh, you know what? It'd be really nice to have some interludes on this record, which is a really weird thing to say. Like, the sense that when you're putting an album together, you're not like, oh, yeah, we need to write this kind of song and this kind of song. But when it's just sort of like, oh, let's have a little interstitial sort of bleepy that's based on one of the songs like that's an acceptable conscious decision to make but it was very much like yeah, i just think it'd be cool to have them i don't it gives it a sort of weird it gives it a sense of there being like an overarching structure and theme that we had from like the word go, which really wasn't there <laughs> sort of like the dude's rug it just really ties the album together yeah i i always really loved the idea of having an overture but i'm not smart enough to know how to do that which is why he pulls up the first note of the overture 
exactly yeah why we left it in um and you know i i love little um melody motifs that kind of reappear later on um i get i'm trying to think what it is that does that a lot maybe it's war of the worlds you know it's just lots of (laughs) i was listening to a jeff wayne not where i thought you were going odyssey um but you know like i'm listen to uh maybe I was having a weird time and listening to a lot of musicals or something but just thought oh it's really nice how all of these little bits from other songs appear in these other little bits of songs and um which is a an absolutely musically uneducated way of saying that like I, I quite like how they take you out of the album for a second and just kind of go oh but let's you know have let's just have a sit down in between big songs and uh catch your breath a minute and then go back in and have some more feelings so um you know i i personally appreciate a pause when when an album is on (laughs) just i think my main worry is that people are gonna like see that there's a title track on this and like really assume that it was it's sort of some kind of thesis statement for the whole record it's like oh no it's just like Track seven, but it's just on a piano with some like synth noises. Yeah, I've got want them the to uh, parentheses though. That's true, and lowercase. You know, we've gone yeah. full like, you know, second okay. album syndrome. There's That's bleeps, how you there's know bloops, there's interludes. Yeah, this is kind of our folklore, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we've gone, we've gone a bit cottage core, and we've forgotten how to use capitals, and uh, yeah. It's very wanky. Roll. I really like it. It is rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> so was there a specific sound you had in mind for it? The album as a whole. What what uh, what struck me is that there were lots of little bits that reminded me, or I thought reminded me of something else, but I could not place them. Like and I mission accomplished. Yeah. And I think that's like a sign of great pop that it is something very familiar, but at the same time, not completely. But I was wondering if I'm maybe I'm just missing out on some very obvious references. There's a playlist I've kept of like the songs that quote unquote inspired really we just ripped off for the record. And I'm wondering whether or not I'm gonna like that's worth sharing with the world or whether that's just going to invite a lot of legal action. I think that's that's the thing. I like we're we're all I think collectively there's probably only about like five bands that all of Fight Milk agree on. So it's just a question of like who can get the stuff that they like through the door, like in an obvious way. And what ends up happening is that it's like when Mr. Burns goes to the doctor and the doctor tells him like it's not that you're well, it's that every disease is trying to like cram itself through your immune system and they're all stuck in the door frame. And I think that's possibly what's happened with the record sounding like other things. It's just that it's all Lily, you are shooting me the sort of No, I'm you know, just I'm in, I'm enjoying like this, this uh, look. I'm in, I'm enjoying this incredibly uh roundabout way of saying how many things we've stolen. <laughs> Okay. We've stolen it all of things, but they all overlap each other, so you can't actually notice anything specifically. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, I, I I I tend to obsess over like one album for about two months and then move on to something different. Um, 
and you know I'm not very like I said I'm not very good at listening to music but like Lucky Coin I wrote when I was listening to a lot of Bruce Springsteen so I think that I just accidentally wrote something that I wanted to sound a bit like Born in the USA um then when you when you played me the like your like early demo of Lucky Coin for some reason my brain was like oh this is like a baggy song like I reckon it'd be really cool if Nick does that kind of like baggy drum thing which he kind of does but you know, cooler heads prevail. Um, and like, you know, there's some like wah guitar in there that I insisted on putting and things like that. So it's this weird, like, everything is just kind of pushing into each other influence-wise. Yeah, it, it does feel a bit like we've all put an influence into the songs without telling anybody else in the band what they are. And the resulting soup just works nice. somehow, you know. Last time we spoke, you guys said there were only three bands you could all agree on, but now you have a new bass player, so you've added two. Yeah, yeah that's it. I know Carly Rae Jepsen was one. Mm-hmm. What, what were the others? Yeah, she remains a constant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, who are the right? Oh, who are the bands we can all agree on? I'm trying to remember now. Right, what are the things that when they come on in the like band or playlists or whatever, Robin. We're all like. Yeah, Carly, Robin. Um, I'm going to have to ask about Pulp because that's coming up later. <laughs> Some questions hey, I have. We do all love Pulp. Pulp yeah, Pulp's right. probably in there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the lone contrary bastard who will just... I'm a ride or die, we love life fan. And I like really, really alienated my... Like, I was talking about... I think my partner and I were talking about Pulp recently and... He was like, what is your favourite pulp record? And I said, like, oh, it's We Love Life. And he was like, I've never listened to that. I'm going to go on a walk and listen to the your favourite pulp album. And about 15 minutes into her walk, I just got a message from her that said, what is this hippie shit? <laughs> and it was so It's a upsetting. fair question. It's a fair question. And the answer is the best fucking pulp album, man. I'm sorry. I'm just... Lily, what's your favourite pulp album? Or what do you say is the best? Um, I like the one with all the singles on it. <laughs> I actually you have really, to say the best of pulp. I would have to say the best of pulp. Um, no, I think my favorite is This Is Hardcore. Wow. Um, okay. I think that was the first one I got into after the one with all the singles on it. Um, and I was like, yeah, now now I've listened to something other than common people. I'm a pulp fan now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, This Is Hardcore is just an amazing album. It's still like. I, I don't even know how old it is. It must be about uh, 20 years 23 years. Jesus. But yeah, it's still just one of the scariest albums. It's so frightening to listen to and so far away from, you know, all the super synthy fun pop stuff that you're used to with Pulp. And, um, and yeah. then it ends with Glory Days, which is, in my opinion, is one of the best songs ever written. Exactly. I love yeah. that song. Yeah, it's a like great a lot album. of terror, and then <laughs> a lot of terror, and then just you know having a sit down after a lot of rocking <laughs> that break out. You want an album. exactly, <laughs> yeah, just a little tea break in between you know rock songs. You said you get tend to get obsessed with albums. What's your current obsession? Uh, my current obsession is the oh god, I've actually so it's the it's the compilation between Pharaoh Sanders and I'm going to find out. Oh, exactly what it is. I oh, know. I've forgotten the first part of the. Oh, it's um, so good. 
I've floating points. Floating points. I've been meaning to listen to that forever, yeah. but I know I want to find like the right time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I can fully appreciate it. It's so great. I love but, yeah. Sanders. It's amazing. I mean, it, yeah, the floating points and Pharaoh Sanders compilation and uh, compilation, sorry, collaboration. And um, I, I'm an absolute, you know, I, I don't get jazz. I don't enjoy it. Whenever I hear it, I just, you know, there's something I missed. Um, I wasn't in the meeting that day, but I think maybe it's just the, uh, I don't know. It just really knocks me out it's uh it's so weirdly calming and ambient and yet you've got this absolutely frantic sax over it and yeah then it turns into a movie soundtrack somehow and it's just the most gorgeous thing to you know I do find that if I'm doing anything else while, I, while I'm listening to I have to stop so that is that is slowing me down somewhat but that's kind my current make, obsession it kind of makes it a really shit ambient record if you aren't <laughs> something else while you're listening to it though it, that is true By yeah I just stand there i'm just standing there <laughs> dribbling so my current obsession is yoko ono are you guys fans yeah oh yeah which what any particular record or i've been really enjoying um the uh yes i'm a witch the collaboration she did with like everybody remixing the tracks. Um, the one with Cat Power is just so beautiful. I've been, I listened to it like twenty times in the past couple of days. I need to I need to my copy out again. I, I remember buying it when it was really cheap in from like closing down sale. But the only song I actually ever listened to off it, I think, because I heard it on the radio once and I got really hung up on that, was the um, version of Toy Boat with Anoni, which is just so gorgeous but i just never then went to the rest of the record i need to check the cat power collab out oh it's great i was also listening to approximately infinite universe uh last weekend and it ties in because um do you know death of samantha the song yeah the song that the yeah. i'm a cool chick baby with yeah. your cool cool girl well that was uh, that was deliberate <laughs> <you know. laughs> It all comes full circle. <laughs> Lily, so have you, you noticed? Oh, sorry, I'll carry on. Have you noticed any changes in your voice? Yes, big time. Yeah. So um, I uh, <clears throat> definitely for the first album, I was just relying a lot on uh, how loud I could shout. And I think that comes from... You know, I, I, I don't have any um, I don't have any training as a singer. And uh, when I started a noisy punk band, I was like, right, OK, I need to be heard above drums and two guitars and bass. I need to be loud and I've got to get my lyrics heard somehow as well. So if I can just shout the loudest and the longest, then that'll do. Um, but that's not really sustainable, <laughs> especially if you are, you know, if you don't look after your voice. And I did find that after lots and lots of gigs, I would, you know, wake up the next day and just be unable to speak. My voice would just be gone because I'd shout. You had, you had to do all of that while contending with terrible venue PA systems and unsympathetic yeah. sound men. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, constantly going, oh, can I have more of myself in the monitor? And I'm just going, no, <laughs> there's nothing. <laughs> what you get and you'll do. like it. Exactly. But Certainly for this album, um, I think that just 
adjusting the songwriting a little bit and um, realizing that, you know, it, it, it's maybe less punky in a way. It's less shouty, this album. And there's a lot uh, more that I have kind of realized I can do just by being quieter and, you know, trying different ways of singing. Um, I eventually went and had a, a singing lesson. Yeah. Um, the one singing lesson that I've ever had and it just changed everything. It was amazing. And, you know, the guy basically said, stop trying to sing and just, you know, try and have a conversation. Stop doing a stop doing a singing voice when you're singing because, you know, you're not Sarah Brightman. And frankly, thank God, um, <laughs> no one would want to be. But uh, yeah, it, I think certainly it's more it's a lot stronger than it was. It's a lot more flexible. I can belt big notes and it doesn't hurt. I don't lose my voice anymore, but also it's really nice to have things like girls don't want to have fun or if you had a sister, um, yeah. but I can be a bit quieter and like sit in my lower register a little bit as well, where it's a lot more comfortable. So yeah. It, it yeah, definitely seems much more expressive and you're throwing in like inflections on certain lines. Um, Oh, thank yeah, you. I'm, glad, that, uh, so, I'm yeah. glad you noticed that. It's, um, <laughs> I was wondering yeah, it's been as a, well. <laughs> a six-year process. So. <laughs> so let's go through the songs. Um, cool. Like all of them are so strong. What was it about Lucky Coin that this is the lead-off track? It's my favorite song on the album. Um, and I think it is partly because... It is such an absolute happy punch of an opening. You know, it's an enormous explosion, major, uh, major chord, and everyone coming in at once. And, uh, you know, I've got a tiny little two, three, four, in an homage to, in an homage to Bruce Springsteen as well. Um, but also in, in terms of content, it's kind of, uh, it's, a, it's really kind of a, about, deciding one day that um, you know not to be not to overthink stuff anymore and to not be anxious anymore and the whole of the first album was about oh god I'm you know I'm a walking disaster and um I'm super anxious and everything's dreadful everything's on fire so I thought having a massive uh you know um feeling more positive and everything's not great but I'm gonna tackle it head on anyway is probably quite a nice and different way of starting the album especially during a time when everything's terrible so it's a little resistance in the face of a lot of bad stuff I thought. I think I remember when we were writing it like I think once we kind of finished putting it together we like we did kind of look at each other and go well, yeah, no, we've definitely, this is, this is track one, isn't it? I also don't know what would have been track one otherwise. Like, I can't remember. So... Nah, that was banger number one. <laughs> for sure. Did they all have the names banger number until most of them were switched? No, just, <laughs> just, just banger number four, because we, it's, it's, that song's been kicking around for years and we just have never, ever been able to think of a title for it. Like untitled, no namer, new yeah. song. Yeah, it was new. It was new song, even when we had newer songs than that. Yeah, it was one of those. Um, I think, and then it was after. It was after we played a show in Leicester. I think, and like we were just hanging out. I think we'd splashed out for a hotel, 
because we felt flush and it was near Christmas. Um, so we were like having drinks at, in our one in our in our one hotel room, and Keith was there. I think he was staying in a much nicer hotel over the road, um, and he sort of we were like Keith, we need your advice, and he was like, yeah, what is it? Um, like, what should we call the new one? He was like, number four. I'm like, how did you nice. just? So, and it's so why? obvious. Why? Well, because it's a banger, and then that implies that there are three others, and people are going to ask you about it in interviews. So, yeah, there you go. Not my right. words, the words of Keith Top of the Pop. Very wise man. <laughs> For sure. Without him. Back to Lucky Coin. The line, it's like a Disneyland for your feelings. <laughs> right <Yeah>. on. <laughs> that definitely hey, Alex, You nearly left that out. You Remember. said you didn't like it. No, you you said, said, oh no, we're having one of these again. No. You, no, you left it out because no, you were scared no. you were going to get sued. No, I wasn't. I don't care. It definitely happened, nope. listeners. Anyway, no, I really like <laughs> I really like it. It's like Disneyland for your feelings. Um, and it makes me wish there was a Disneyland for my feelings, frankly. I think a whole theme park dedicated to my ego would be brilliant. Lots of fun. <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's go with this. <laughs> sure. For some reason, the first thing that came to my mind was that uh, the Black Parade would have to somehow be involved. Oh, yeah. That'd be incredible. Yeah, Actually, they could, I think all the little soldiers can just replace the animated things on It's a Small World. It's just going to have lots of little little soldiers dressed in black marching up and down. And but they'll still be singing. No, they'll still be doing It's a Small World. That's an unbeatable song. Somehow a mashup with just the opening piano from Welcome to the Black Parade. Exactly. Yeah. Or Blood. Yeah. That, that would, blood would be song. a great ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should, this is very young Southpaw, but um, yeah, bands should have their own theme parks. Well, thank you. Yeah. Look at Dollywood. You know, look at the Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster. It's clearly a good idea. Um, can we double back to Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster, please? Can you explain? So in this place called Disneyland. I'm, I'm familiar. There's a there's a roller coaster called the Rock and Roller Coaster. Uh-huh. And um, the, the cars look like a big guitar. Right. So you sit on a big guitar and um, you go whizzing around a big roller coaster in the dark and you get to the top of like a big climb. And then as you start to go over the edge, you have Steven Tyler in your ears going going down and then he goes um anyway it's uh the happiest place on earth (laughs) i want to go to there and we need to make this happen possibly for a music video i promise we will i don't even like roller coasters but i would go on that one just for the memories out of Mm -hmm. duty as a rock and roller (laughs) that quite have you been to dollywood no, I'm desperate too. Have you? I haven't, but I can't remember who, but I made plans with someone like within the last couple of weeks. I was like, we're going to meet at Dollywood next year and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I don't remember who Amazing. I'm meeting there, but I am down no matter who it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it God. one of those where you've you've remembered the time and the date? You don't remember who, so you're just going to show up and be surprised? I wish. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be a great rom-com. <laughs> oh, it would. What a meet cute. Um, have you seen the pictures of Halloween at Dollywood? No. When we're done with this, you need to Google <laughs> these. The pumpkin displays are absolutely amazing. I might I might do this right now. 
Um, I, I it does also more. complete. I have checked. Great pumpkin luminites. Halloween Dollywood. <laughs> That's what I'm looking at. Oh, wow. Great pumpkin luminites. God, she's good. Oh, that's that spectacular. Frog. Oh, I've never seen so many pumpkins. Right. Halloween, 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 Halloween. You're fired. <laughs> I had a good run. <laughs> it's a good way to go out. <laughs> it's a good way to go out. <laughs> I feel like going out on a Dolly reference is, is something that you'd respect me enough for to want me come back immediately <laughs> to be quite honest you know i got you in a bind here oh look at the big spider pumpkin thing of me i can't believe we're only on track one still <laughs> yeah we got sidetracked by pumpkins in dollywood oh god Same as our brand man yeah all right track two hey annabelle <laughs> <laughs> um he Track two and three are really where I saw the pulp influence. Interesting. Uh, I mean, Annabelle was, um, I think, actually, yeah. What I said earlier about, like, you don't, when you're putting an album together, you don't, oh, it needs one of these songs and one of these songs. Annabelle was a sort of conscious decision of, like, all these songs are quite long. And we just need one that's sort of dumb and quick and silly and kind of... Again, I was like listening to a lot of girl group stuff and like mm. of Japanese punk pop. Um, and for some reason that all got thrown in a weird blender. And yeah, it was, one, it was one of those ones that just sort of came together really, really quickly. And Lily put it out. Like, I think I had one line. It was just like, you know what to do with line please take it from here and just it became i feel like the brief, i feel like the brief for the lyrics was ob obviously hey annabelle is a, is a real story and is based on real events and real people i don't know how much you want me to say alex uh, um, that's fine okay that'll do okay um but uh yeah it's about trying to covertly just, just see how your ex is doing. Just, you know, you obviously want nothing but the best for them. Hope they're doing okay. Um, we parted amicably. We're both grown ups, but are they miserable? They have to be miserable. Not that I care, but they have to be miserable. So it's that. It, it's a. It's a very petty song, and uh, you know, it. It was a lot it's it was a lot of fun to write and i think there's some good rhymes in it and it's lots of fun to sing as well and that little thing that you do on the guitar the little it just it makes me so happy every single time i hear it because it's so stupid um i think that and also the like it's it's just it might be our stupidest song as well as our most spiteful like there's the I'm little sorry. like but there's also just me in the like i couldn't think of something to do in that bit yeah. And then it's stuck I mean, and now it's in the song. Healy also pointed out oh, yes. uh, that yeah, the backing vocals, the little la 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 la, had to sound like the song in School of Rock. So I don't know if you've seen School of Rock, Org. Not in a while, but yes, obviously. Mm. <laughs> and obviously, oh, what a, 
what a film uh, <laughs> but yeah they're kind of almost directly lifted from the little backing vocals at the end of the song that they do in the big battle of the bands um so it's a little a little nods to jack black and his I was gonna say gang of merry school kids but that's probably not great that sounds wrong that's terrible um one of my favorite movie scenes actually is the um when he's when they're finding the bass player and he's like you just turn it over and chillo <laughs> chillo you got a bass <laughs> and that's how it works it's that easy yeah yeah it's a very it's a silly spiteful short song that uh that i'm very fond of uh and I'm sad that we haven't had the chance to play it in front of people yet. Yeah. I think, yeah. Oh, yeah, that hasn't happened yet for a lot of these, huh? We've, ro- I think we've road tested all but the last three that we wrote. So, oh, yeah. yeah, Annabelle, Lucky Coin, and Girls, we haven't got the chance to play in front of people. Um, but, yeah, hopefully soon. But I don't know. I just hope there'll be some when we do to play shows i'm just looking forward to there being at least fingers crossed two people willingly in the front row just doing the hand parts in the middle that'd be validating yeah that'd be nice is there a show booked we're working on it yeah <laughs> it's so it's really unpredictable it's hard to know when anything is a safe b confirmable so okay. we we're kind of provisionally beginning to ask uh venues but you know they're obviously torn between being desperate to put shows on and also going well if it's too soon that could be us shut for another six months so it's you know we're waiting for them to kind of lead lead the way before we really book anything so you mentioned rhymes you liked jumping ahead to the next song rhyming carl sagan with kind of vacant Hey. <laughs> I thought that would be your segue. Yes. That is yeah. true, true professional stuff. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, we'll go on. No, please. Um, I, weirdly, I don't think that we are the only band to have ever put Carl Sagan into a song. I have a horrible feeling that someone else got there first, but I think we might be the only band to have ever rhymed Carl Sagan with anything. So that is that's the important milestone for me. Yeah. Really. Um and also not to toot my own tutor. I also really love watching Interstellar didn't make it better. I was just it, it's so forced. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fucking excuse me, I don't mean to swear. It's such a labored rhyme. Um but uh you know I, I really, really like rhymes where you can tell someone has sat there for like two days going, how can I make this work? It doesn't matter if it's good. It just has to rhyme. So, yeah. There's like a very specific kind of, like there's a very specific way of doing that that you that you can allow yourself to get away with because you can, you can do bad rhymes and they will be bad rhymes. You can do bad rhymes and you can let them go for a bit and slap your forehead. Yeah. And then there are other ones, you know, not well cliche, but like that are so bad that they are genius. What is think, it? Is it a New Order song? 
that goes, every minute counts when I'm with you. I think, I think you you're a pig. You should be in a zoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, New Order basically like wrote the book on those kind of rhymes. Yeah, um, they suck. And like in <laughs> Face Up, is that the same album? On Face Up, he has the line, your eyes was blue, which just <laughs> is not grammatically correct at all. And you could very easily been changed. Yeah. Come on. You've been <laughs> doing this another- a long time, guys. There's another one that I remember from like one of their like recent like comebacky ones, comebacky records, and it was like there's this whole narrative where for some reason he decides to go sailing, and this line it was the sea was very rough, it made me feel sick, but I like that kind of stuff. It, it's arithmetic. He's not wrong. I mean, he's not wrong, but you wouldn't have let that fly in in one of our songs. No. <laughs> Wouldn't have been a maritime narrative. It would have been space. It would have been, you know. I'm quite digging maritime and narrative as rhymes. Actually. Oh, God. Oh, that's three starts here. Yeah. Yes. I mean, unless the Decemberists got there first. Oh, possibly. Yeah. Well, you know, every every sentence is just a song waiting to happen. <laughs> when I am with you. <laughs> <laughs> so the title of track three. I'm starting yeah. to think you don't even want to go to space. It's just a brilliant thing to say anyway. Like, <laughs> when did that come to you? Like, <laughs> So it's um, the song is indirectly about Elon Musk and Grimes. Indirectly. Indirectly about Elon Musk and Grimes. Um, or, you know, to avoid the wrath of Dogecoin or whatever it is. I don't know how the internet works. Um, I keep referring to it as, you know, a nondescript billionaire iron man complex jerk and his pop star girlfriend um but it's about elon musk and grimes and an imagined argument uh where because like he's just such a dick he's so awful and everything he does is so like just offensively arrogant um because he's a billionaire and that's what they're like i just had this this imagined argument where you know he's so obsessed with calling you know cave divers pedophiles or getting high on the joe rogan podcast and all of this other stuff that really takes away from his stupid mission to be king of space or whatever and snl uh, snl exactly with miley and grimes just being like do you know i'm starting to think this isn't really about this isn't really about space is it elon what this is really about is you know you being a dickhead um so that's that was the alternative title um, but that wouldn't fit. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> we don't write the whole song title on set lists, though. Yeah, it's just I rem- space. I remember one gig where we let Nick write the set lists out, and everyone got a different title for space on their <laughs> set list. I think yeah. he got space so that he could remember it. Someone else got moon tune. I think I got. Wanna go space? Um, which I showed it to him and he like recited it to me in like a League of Gentlemen voice. Which, there you go. Um, and I can't remember what the third one is, but yeah. So he's I, I like that, like keeping you on your toes. Exactly. Like, don't don't just write down the name. <laughs> no. What are you amateur? You knew? I think I I, I think Where I once you? reciprocated. I think I once reciprocated by writing down capos on Nick that list which is a drummer he had no use for he was just perplexed by numbers but yeah 
Like, oh, this one's in seven now? Okay. Yeah, put the cap on the snare. Yeah. See how it goes. I once saw the Mary Chain and I'd driven, like we, my sister and I were huge Mary Chain fans. The 98 tour, we weren't going to be in Boston where we were living when they were coming around. So we drove down to Baltimore. It's like an eight hour drive to catch the show. And um, it was like right before they broke up that first time because the brothers just weren't getting along. They had what key the song was in next to every song on the set list. And William was so drunk, he managed to play one like a half step up anyway. It sounded awful <laughs> like i know feedback and dissonance is their thing but like when everyone is you know in g and he's in g sharp it was just oh, oh i mean God. i'm sure i'm sure we've done that sober at some point but i kind of admire the balls on that that's um you know like that few fucks given yeah <laughs> exactly yeah i've had nine beers i don't know what a g key is let's go yeah he did i, I mean like a year later, he did release an EP with himself naked on the back cover. So, you know. You know no what's good for him? <laughs> one one virgin? Wait, that was a that was a deep cut. <laughs> oh, no callback. I'm it, not took, it did take me a second. Yeah. But I'm scared that if anyone anyone listening is gonna think that I just called Jim Reed a virgin or something in some kind of weird, like please cut this all. Okay. <laughs> I got to ask about medium. I got to ask about the intro to space and oh, yeah. the similarities <laughs> to do you remember the first time? Oh, I was never... not on purpose. No. No, that oh, No, that really hadn't occurred to me. We that's, just... that's an amazing observation. I I never thought of that. Yeah. No, that was it was just one of those ones where like we had the song we were like oh i need some liberty bloops because like space and stuff and i don't even like no one when we were like recording it even said not think this sounds a bit like much like pulp or anything it was yeah good no i think we were all sitting there going man this sounds like space yeah that was it just more reverb exactly there's some galactic stuff going on but yeah i'm glad that it sounds like you remember the first time that's yeah i'll favorite absolutely vocals. take that yeah okay. <laughs> the absolute state of me mm. i like this one a lot it's just like a big laid-back pop song it's it one is. of my favorites yeah. i think yeah um, it's it's loads and loads of fun to play and uh yeah you're right it's it's i think it's just got such a gorgeously simple big riff and um yeah it's it's yeah it's great sorry i'm just talking that was, about that now. <laughs> that was one of the ones that we it was one of the earliest ones we had as well i think yeah i think while adam was still while adam was still in the band we had cuckoo girl banging number four space and state so yeah it's is this a state on the set list. Yeah, this is just yeah. state on the set list and no one tries to confuse us uh, with anything else. No. Um, no one does. But I think, I think the title came from Adam because he kept saying, oh, the absolute state of this. <laughs> I was just like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's harness that and make it a fight milk thing. What would be the most fight milk word to end the absolute state of, hmm. Mice. 
Yeah, but then we realised that didn't really really work no. lyrically. No. Well, no, you had the whole draft, but it was about cheese, and it yeah. seemed to go. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Um, it seems like you could bring it back for the uh, with a maritime narrative. And hey. <laughs> what hey the now. mouse is like at the end, the absolute state, at the end of the journey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for your, you know, <laughs> jazz <laughs> odyssey, your third album. <laughs> for your oh. own twisted entertainment. <laughs> um. Yeah, I really love this song, and I think it's got my favourite opening lines of any of any Fight Milk song as well. Okay. Um, yeah, they're just they're horrible. Um, so the opening lines are: "Sometimes I'm so in love I have to go throw up," um, and I'm I think more proud of those than any other opening lines we've got. So that um, is good. You know, just more, more ties into the Aerosmith roller coaster too. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know. Up next, stylistically, there's a bit of change of direction with Girls Don't Want to Have Fun. Not for one of trying. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. a really strange one. Like, I mean, like we mentioned, it took a long time to get it sorted and it felt like it was just never, ever going to work or that we, like, we didn't know how to play it's to make it sound nice because it was just sound too, you know. Um, Sounded too much like what we wanted it to sound like. like. Yeah, yeah. It ended up working when we started, I think, well, to be honest, like not seeing each other for a really long time and being bored at home and like faffing around with different, you know, uh, whether it, you know, faffing around with different demos or different ideas and just being like, what can we throw at this? You know, it doesn't have to go on the album. How do we make it sound nice if it does? Um, and then, you know, realise that maybe big pop strings and uh, Mellotron and, and, and stuff like that doesn't necessarily just have to be if you're, you know, massive orchestral band. It's It works really nicely for little kind of gentle pop songs like this. Um, and it just sounds think- so sad. <laughs> think as well because we hadn't played a show for a while and we didn't know when we were next going to play a show the idea of doing something that we could really like labor over in the studio was quite appealing of course that's come to bite us in the ass now that we've done a pre-recorded live stream launch gig where we're playing the whole record and we've had to learn how to play like how to work how to play a version of it would be recognizable to people who've heard the album mm. um but i mean in terms of putting that across you know we're not no every now and again i wonder should we just get a keyboard player mm. i think what if, if there was one more song like this like it was this if we had more one more song like this on the record i think we would have probably felt like we needed a, a keyboard player um never say never so there's no there's keyboards still- on the live version yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah. just all attempting to play five different overdrive guitar parts at once, sort of thing. Mm. Um, real like pedal overdrive, not literally no overdrive pedal. I'm just going into overdrive with all the non-distorted pedals and stuff. It's yeah, it's um, it, it was probably yeah the most laboured over song. Yeah, it didn't feel like work. It was just like. I think that was the one we gave ourselves the most license to try stuff and see what stuck. Like, kind of, 
I always try, I think, because I'm a big record nerd and like a big production nerd, I think just to cover my own asthma, I was like, okay, when we're going into the studio, let's like, let's have an approach of like, there are no bad ideas, yeah? Because that there were some. <clears throat> most of them were mine. <laughs> like I say, it's self-preservation. So, you know, um, I think, yeah, there were surprisingly few bad ideas that got thrown at that song. Although there was like a big sort of, I seem to remember there was a big like string slide that we did on a Mellotron that got mixed out, which I'm still quite sad about. But I think that it was, it was ripping off some, I think it was, someone said it ripped off, it sounded too much like the Smashing Pumpkins. So thinking about it, that's probably justified. Are you guys Pumpkins fans? Nah. I am. I just have to hate on them because everyone else does. And again, I just don't. I, I realize my most complicated relationship in my life is that with my own feelings toward the Smashing Pumpkins. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really like a lot of their songs. <laughs> At the same time. Yeah. same time, Billy Corgan. Yeah. Oh, if you... If you um... If you had to summarize your if you had to summarize your complex relationship with the Smashing Pumpkins in one sentence, what would it be? Fair enough. <laughs> you make me feel things I don't like feeling from you. <laughs> I think we've just found the third album, the album title. title. You can have it if there's a maritime a song called Maritime uh, Narrative. Yeah. Maritime, maritime Narrative. narrative. Yeah. I, I mean, that that's a perfect reason to have a complex relationship with the band. I respect it. Yeah. I mean, Smash, yes. um, Siamese Dream came out like when I was 17, so it was like perfectly the right age. And, you know. <sighs> but moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> the title, the Girls Don't Want to Have Fun, was that there from the beginning? Because it's not yeah. a pastiche. Okay. And you don't yes, bring it, it in until the end of the song, which is... So I kind of, so it came from, uh, this is really nerdy, but like it came from a, uh, just watching a video of Phoebe Bridges and Connor Oberst talk about pop songs. And I'm a big Phoebe Bridges fan anyway. Um, but she really mumbles, like she's got a terrible mumble. And I think she, she went, you know, went to say, uh, oh, I really like uh, girls, uh, girls just want to have fun or, or, or you know whatever it was she was saying, but I just heard it as girls don't want to have fun. And I thought, right, this is a contrived way of saying that I ripped off that title. Um, but I just thought it was a good sentiment and like quite sulky. And I, when I started with the title and thought, right, this is going to be like a silly, funny pastiche song. Um, and then as I was writing it, it just got sadder and sadder <laughs> and sadder. So maybe that was like Phoebe Bridges vengeance for me, you know, accusing her of mumbling or something um but yeah it didn't turn out how i expected it to at all i, remember, I really like the title i remember the first draft of that song that we attempted like it was totally i think the lyrics were totally different the music was totally different but we had the title and i think one of us had the idea of like doing a pastiche of the backing vocal from the cindy lauper song at the end but like they don't yeah. wanna they don't wanna yeah, and I'm exactly. so glad that that song had so many different iterations that immediately got away from us doing that. Yeah, it was a real Brief. troubled teen of a song. It had so many, you know, a goth phase, an emo phase, a grunge phase, and then 
just came out the other side and was depressed like everyone else. All the different so, theme parks. All the different theme parks. <laughs> all the different parts of the theme park. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to Emotopia. Yay! <laughs> Are you familiar with the uh, how the original was written? What the man was doing? When no. Apparently, and I think I saw this on like VH1 where they had like the pop-up facts within the video. The, the man who wrote the original wrote it while taking a bath. <laughs> absolutely inspirational has forever changed the way i look at it (laughs) that's i mean you know what inspiration strikes when you're covered in suds i guess sometimes yeah i i I realized too late that the thing about us just want to have fun is that it should have been a morrissey song because the melody is so morrissey-ish yeah, you can really hear him singing it, can't you? And yet we can never hear him sing it. No. <laughs> oh, <dear. clears throat> <Yes>. Totally <laughs> terrible. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, Cool Cool Girl. Yeah. The list. When um, I'm a poet, <laughs> I'm a DJ, I'm an artist, I'm amazing. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of the record, because you just, you get to it. <laughs> immediately there's no like pretense through a list and then it's like uncovering you know it's no false modesty it's just uh yeah it's just a good rhyme <laughs> <laughs> um another labored rhyme um yeah i i mean i don't think we had a list in the song but it's really fun i think it's nice to shout over a big breakdown and obviously like on the record i get to do a proper throaty scream for it at the end which was loads of fun and i think hopefully quite upsetting <laughs> so yeah <clears throat> the thing the thing i remember about the list is that when we were recording it like lily did a first take of that bit and keith was like oh is that like the producer was like oh, is that what you're singing and lily was like what do you mean and he was like the bit where you're like um you know i'm in interesting i'm clever I'm like, yeah what did you think that i was saying and it was like, I'm into wrestling. <laughs> so that is now the second take onwards, that became part of the lyric. And that's yeah. all he's doing. Um yeah. yeah. I'm 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 so pleased that he misheard that because I'm into yeah. wrestling and I'm clever and I'll always be a bartender is um yeah, one of my one of my favorites, uh, one of my yeah. favorite lines that we've got. So that is also like the oldest, oldest. There was a point where if we had been, if we asked, we would have gotten, we would have like tried to record that for the first album. Yeah. But we couldn't quite wrangle it time wise. Like it's that old of a song. Um, and it's just, we've just played it every single gig since we wrote it. Um, so I think as much catharsis and just finally getting to put it out in the world yeah you know i also i also really like that when we do play it like oh like on the record like healy and nick and alex all do backing vocals and they're all doing the tell your friends bit at the end which is really quite angelic on the record but usually by the end of the song live we're all so knackered that it's just tell your friends <laughs> it sounds so desperate and frightening <laughs> Tell your friends, please. It's good. Um, 
Well, we covered bagger number four, unless you have anything else you want to add about that one. Uh, I hope Pandroids don't sue us. Why would they sound like Japandroids? It sounds so much like Pandroids, and not on purpose. It just does. I think Nick was Nick really like was like. You think we can get away with this? Oh, that's like, yeah. that kind of trebly guitar thing at the start. Yeah, and then Nick with the big drums. Mm. I don't know why I felt the need to do big drum miming on a podcast. The international yeah. symbol for yeah. big drums. Yeah, Nicky with the big He's, drums. Nicky with the big drums. All easily observed via the audio medium. Yeah. But if you had a sister, is one of my favorites on the record. Again, it's it's stylistically it's more in the uh, the girls don't want to have fun territory <clears throat> than than the rest. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah it, it it felt like a real change. It felt like a real departure when we worked on it together for the first time. It was like, oh, okay, we're not just doing like super fast, distorted, punky songs now. Like, oh, oh, we're we're fancy. Um, <laughs> that was the first song that we like we tried writing. I think it was in the first practice we had with Healy. We like hammered that song together and there was a part of me that was really worried that he was going to be like this is not the band i signed up to play bass <laughs> yeah. for so obviously they put their stamp on it by just like covering it in like sick ass cure bass exactly riffs, like the bass makes that song absolutely it's, yeah it's awesome um I, I think it might be like there are other there are probably other fight milk songs i like more I'm a stickler for like having like a favorite and a best. And I do think if he had a sister is our best song. Mm. And I'm not just saying that because I get like a minute long guitar solo. <laughs> yeah, you get two completely different guitar solos back to back. How many guitarists <laughs> can say that? Do you know how lucky you are? I'm not even You're that very pushy lucky about boy. it. <laughs> I, ha- I hate guitar solos. Sure. I did notice that, that there are, well, not that you hate them, but that there are, <clears throat> they're not omnipresent. Um, yeah. It wasn't a concerted effort or anything. I think it's one of those, when we ended up like doing the recording, I was, I think I was probably trying to be more mindful of like, I think there was a point at which I realized that not, there are barely any songs around like playing chords. I'm just like playing sort of melodic bits and then sort of realizing trying to sort of build up this sounds really like wanky and producery but like you know like trying Clean to build in. up like more of a <laughs> trying to build up more of a um like you know textural and like rather than just like oh i'm gonna play this like solo for the sake of it like i don't i really hate sort of fiddly diddly type solos and all the guitar players i like with maybe one or two exceptions are sort of either like scrunky noise sort of indie rock people or like fully melodic solo people and i don't think there's any there aren't that many of our songs where i've managed to get away with just like making noise for the sake of it i think maybe lucy on the first album because i couldn't think of anything to do in that solo summer crush no but that you you like put me into that you you were just like fucking shred fucking shred Do it again. You make me sound like Lenny. <laughs> Do you shout all your production advice? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one to know how. 
glass <laughs> between the control room and the live room is very thick, Org, and I do not play with headphones. No, exactly. Um, yeah, How so do you like, feel about Jay Mascus from your description love. of the guitar players you like? Yeah. Yeah, love. He seems to be the combo of what you're... I think that him, I mean, Neil Young, I spent a lot of lockdown listening to Neil Young because it's very good sort of I'm stuck in a place music and you can really climb the wall to all of his records. Um, I don't know. I think like Rivers Cuomo to some degree does the like guitar solos you can whistle thing. That's like the main thing. I'm always about like guitar solos that are sort of in and of themselves. And I think that, yeah, this was trying to do as much of that as possible and also do the trick of part of the guitar solo with just the vocal melody. Yeah, I was which is also say, always fun. Yeah. I ran out of ideas well. by that point. You know, yeah. which I remember you you really wanted to get away from that melody when we were writing it. Yeah, it sounded a bit Beatlesy to me, just like a bit flower people. Um, <laughs> but I think it kind of I don't know. Maybe the rest of the song is so sinister that that kind of weird little bouncy bit kind of works. But it's a weird one. It sounds a little. Yeah. I think it, it it does work, but it does sound a bit out of place sometimes to me. Like the because I think melody, the core, the second line of the chorus, where the melody goes, is one of my favorite bits of the record. It was unexpected. Oh. There's one part oh. right before you're talking about. So I'm glad you didn't change it. <laughs> hey, thanks. Appreciate <laughs> we might not it. be here today. Yeah. <laughs> Lyrically. Yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, um, so it's it kind of came from. Um, noticing that like prior to lockdown um, but then weirdly like I think around the start of lockdown because I, I think maybe Netflix and Amazon Prime and all the other like video streaming sites like shit we need to keep people entertained um, there was just so much stuff about serial killers that appeared at once and like you know don't get me wrong I'm, I've got a healthy morbid curiosity and I like to spend hours on the internet going down you know dark holes whatever but it just felt relentless and it felt like um you know there was a revisiting of Jack the Ripper and then oh let's do the Ted Bundy tapes and here's making of a murderer and like it just felt I'm being bombarded on all sides uh not just by serial killers but like serial killers who brutalize women in such a way that like to read about it or even to hear about it is really very like it's hard you know it's very difficult and mm. it it hits personally in quite a, a big way um and yet it's just kind of treated as this uh fun bit of pop culture of like oh look how grisly this guy was look at these awful things he did to these women but no one can ever remember any of the victims names of, of ted bundy and you know, it's kind of, it's not to say it's about serial killers, but it's not. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but it is kind of about how um, certainly like when men do evil things, it's always somehow women's fault. You know, it's, uh, for example, Ted Bundy uh, didn't have a good relationship with his mom or uh, was addicted to pornography and looking at naked women. Um Ed Kemper had a terrible relationship with his mom. And it's all of these women who then end up dead. And it's their responsibility and their fault 
that men end up committing these atrocities. And there was an interesting uh, kind of phenomenon around, I think, when Ted Bundy died or, you know, when Ted Bundy was, you know, killed. Um, and he had quite a fan base and a lot of people kind of sympathizing with him going, oh, well, you know, it was a lack of female a lack of positive female influence in his life. And if he'd had a sister, he might not have turned out this way. And it's like, you're now inventing a, a woman that doesn't exist as a reason to blame him, as a reason to excuse him and say, oh no, he just was, he was just messed up. You know, he was just, uh, uh, he didn't have like the woman to save him or whatever. And it's basically about that. It's about how, you know, the casual misogyny of like, asking uh, women to save the evil men before they get murdered by them is just really harmful. And like, you know, seeing it in pop culture, seeing people watching the Ted Bundy tapes or obsessing over serial killers, it's just like, come on, man. It's it, it like, it's hard, it hurts. So yeah, it's kind of about that. Women getting blamed for shit they didn't do in a nutshell. I'm going to get off my soapbox now because that was quite a rant. That's so. a good rant, though. Okay, oh, hey, thanks. <laughs> I'm with you on this. Yeah. The last two songs I think are my favorite, and they kind of remind me of they're kind of like the overs of this album in that they seem really pos- like unabashedly positive. And over and overbite share the same letters. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was I'm discovering so much today. Yeah, <laughs> that just hit me like an hour ago, and I was like, "Wow!" Because I, I thought maybe wow. it was like the over of this album because it's really you know a positive song or like you know, um, and then I was like, "But wait, over, overbite." The word's right there. <laughs> <laughs> Monkey Island. Monkey Island. <laughs> Monkey tennis. Monkey tennis. <laughs> Monkey tennis. <laughs> I had not made that connection, Org. I'm glad you did. That's what I'm here for. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna claim that as my own now. All right. So. <laughs> I think I think we should do them back to back at a show sometime. Yeah. Like over and over by it. Over and over again. And then a hot hey. chip cover. <laughs> yeah. Um. Maybe. Which, I think which song are we up to? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, okay. Which um, I seem to remember we tried to do in the first practice with Healy again as well. And then we tabled it. And then I think you got really anxious that we were going to table it forever. And it was just because we had the big. Well, I think just if, to, yeah. I know. If I, it felt like a funny one because it felt more sincere than we usually could get away with. And um you know it's got a very different opening to other fight milk songs you know it's mm-hmm. just mean an acoustic and that i'm used to shouting and being loud and trying to be heard over guitars so having this very quiet introduction um was quite uncomfortable in a way but um i was also really worried because after i wrote it i realized oh no this sounds just like i will follow you into the dark uh i'm going to get sued but oh. I think, oh, thank God. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just worried that melodically and in terms of chords, it just sounded too similar. But I'm glad that you. I did not pick up. You did not think that. Well, that's, <laughs> that means it's okay. Um, 
but yeah, it, it is a very kind of, you know, heart on sleeve, quite emotional, sincere, earnest song, which, you know, we tend to deal in like sarcasm and being a bit pissy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Weird though, because I think if you take the lyrics off, you could like, or maybe it's just because I've heard this song, heard this song so many times at this point. Like, you could kind of hear it as a sort of us taking the piss out of power ballad musically. Like, it it, it hits all of the buttons of like power balladry without having a key change. No key change, but like you've got an acoustic open... power ballads. <laughs> Suck it! <laughs> you've got like acoustic opening, and then full band singing the same verse that you were singing, you know, the same verse again, like big sort of lighters in the air of guitar bits. Big like, I remember we we did the first live stream we did, we did like a Facebook live thing. We managed to somehow wrangle the sound to be like a full band thing. It just about worked audio wise. That was one of the first, it was maybe like the third or fourth time we'd played maybe. And we I watched it back afterwards and you know how on Facebook Live the comments come up as you're watching a video back. When it got to like when everything kicks in and maybe someone had just commented "90s chord." Bang! <laughs> I was like, my work here is done. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Was this the yeah. show with the spacesuits? That was the yeah. spacesuits. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, but that, that was that's so such much a. Fun. That was such a weird time because, like, everything it just sort of. Ugh. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> I think that was. I think here that was literally the week that people were panic buying stuff because I remember coming yeah. home from that performance and being like, "Yeah, we've just done a gig. It might be our last gig, but we don't know." Ah, and I went to the shop to just like get some stuff for dinner, and there was nothing. So I came out with some olives and a bar of chocolate, and that was my dinner. So. You know that that uh, it kind of um, it did go downhill from there, obviously. But that was I a think, very very strange night. I think night uh, the day after the space launch, I went to visit my parents because I didn't know how long I it would be before I got to see them again. They packed for a couple nights, and two days into me being there, it was full lockdown. And I ended up staying two months with two changes of clothes. And a lot of, fortunately, a lot of clothes that I don't wear that were also in my, like, room at home wardrobe, but still, like, not what I had anticipated uh, my next wow. two months of living being. So yeah, it's, it's good that that last peak is captured on video forever. Yeah. And we're I'm all wearing good. masks, so we're ahead, you know, exactly, face helmets. Yeah. So we're ahead of the curve in that respect, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I remember also, I had just left LA because um, I didn't have anywhere to live, and Idaho was the state that really hadn't been hit, and I could that I could get to like a day's drive. So I'd never been anywhere in the you know Northwest before, and I just end up in Twin Falls while the world is collapsing, and then you guys have this thing. And I just, I remember sitting out and watching, like, is this what it's going to be like from now on? And it was like a really this like, is the like half hour or whatever, but in the midst of all this, just complete panic. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, we were probably uh, 
you know, I'm not, I don't want to say that we really set the standard for <laughs> virtual gigs for the next year or so, but. Um, not, not saying that. No, not, not, not saying that. No. Um, but it was, yeah, we, I mean, we were, we had an amazing launch planned for that single. Like we had this great venue um, called the Victoria uh, booked and we had some brilliant support bands. You know, we, we're going to obviously still come on stage to the Portsmouth Symphonia doing uh, 2001, whatever it is. That's Zarathustra, sorry. Um, I remember when you came up with the idea for us doing that. I think it was like the end of 2019. And you were like, once we knew that Space was going to be the single, you were like, lads, I've got an idea. Nick, <laughs> hook my phone up to the car speaker. We know what our intro music is. Yeah. And I think it got to like the first... Yeah, we, he, he like, just died, basically. Nick, I think Nick had to pull over because he was crying, laughing and driving. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. But yeah, we were very, very gutted not to be able to do that gig. But if I'm totally honest, like I watched that performance back because I missed gigs quite recently. And I think we did all right. <laughs> I think we did OK, considering think, that like I think it was cobbled together excitement absolutely like supersedes the fear whereas if we'd somehow managed to do it the next week we would have been too scared to play good definitely yeah basically yeah. um yeah that i think i watched that a lot during like the first lockdown as well because yeah. i was missing the guys remember gigs i remember gigs you kids are too young <laughs> sure nana let's get yeah. you home <laughs> Also, the other thing I really like about Maybe that I only realised about a month ago is that that song does not rhyme. Yeah, no rhymes. Not and one rhyme. That's really? how you know that Lily really means it. I didn't notice. No rhymes. Well, every day's a school day, Org. <laughs> not all the songs rhyme. You know, Ooh. sometimes we can do highbrow as well. Yeah. Poetic license. Um, yeah, I didn't really notice that either. Um I don't think it was conscious. I wasn't like, right, this isn't going to rhyme today. I'm going to do a song that doesn't rhyme. But it wasn't like I'm genuinely asking this, like now mate to bandmate, like you didn't like write it as like a block of prose or anything. It was just like you wrote no, it as no. a lyric. No, it just, you know, just felt just felt right. <laughs> That's all I got. Um, I kind of wanted to reclaim the subject matter of there is a light that never goes out a little bit. So, you know, fancying someone in a car, I guess. If you want to read the that song. Yeah. Read the lyrics, Alex. They don't oh, rhyme. But they don't rhyme. There's nothing to hang on to. No. <laughs> it's like, how am I supposed to remember it if it doesn't rhyme? Anyway. And we're at the end of the album. Overbite. Yeah. And I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, that is just a very fun, silly. I remember coming up with the music and it started with like a weird sort of. Like I remember the first demo I ever sent Lily of that started with like a weird jangly riff that sort of sounded like I'll be there for you. And I'm really glad that when Lily sent me back a version with lyrics, that had been cut. Is it retrospective? <laughs> Then I was. I then, we're talking about 
Bon Jovi's I'll be there for you? <laughs> I mean, not, sure. No. <laughs> Nick would have been happy with that. Yeah. Like, one Bon Jovi his first gig? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Man loves Bon Jovi, I think. I still. Really I, I'm down with that. I love that New Jersey album. No. I like that New Jersey album. It's definitely my favorite Bon Jovi record. I like it better than Slippery When Wet. I, I mean, if anyone, the reference. if anyone uh, deserves a theme park, it's John Bon Jovi. Point. Yeah. Uh, I believe Young Southpaw has addressed this, that he should have a water park because of Slippery When Wet. Of course. Young Southpaw's so smart. <laughs> He's so ahead of the curve with rock star theme parks. Hopefully, the, I'll get a cut of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, please. If you could ask him, that'd be great. Seems like a charitable man. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I remember about Overbite is that there was a line, uh, I think the line in the second verse, you don't have to smile if you don't want to. That came oh, on the day you did the final yeah. vocal. There was a lyric. Really- <laughs> pitched a ly- I pitched the line, was it like take the orthodontist off your speed dial? Which I realize in hindsight is not a good line. However, you also remember that when you went in to do the guide vocal, you wouldn't, you were like, I'm not singing that. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. What are you going <laughs> to sing? And you were like, I'm not telling you. And I had to go home for some reason. So the next morning, I came into the studio and I was like, like, I think I made a point of coming in early so I could hear what happened on Overbite. And I said, like, can you play Overbite? And it got to that line and you just went, just the gibberish noises. And I'm really, like, I really hope we still have an MP3 of a, mon- of a monitor mix with on because uh, I want to leak it and somehow make a fortune off it by leaking it, which is counterintuitive. I mean... It might have been gibberish to you. <laughs> my my gibberish means something, man. Yeah, right. I'm an artist. <laughs> I, that's the thing, though. That line, the line, like the last minute line that you came up with, is like the linchpin line of that song. Oh, thanks. Oh, fucker. <laughs> hey, that's Good. nice. Um, yeah, I, I love Overbite so much, and uh, it is a kind of perfect storm of so many different songs that we all love. So it's got like, um, you know, an enormous uh, emo sounding, I'm not okay bit in the breakdown. And it's also got like a shimmery Beach Boys bit and just a great big chorus and a fantastic call and response. And, you know, I it, it's I think that's our best song. Not my favorite, ah, I think that's interesting. our best song. Um, Interesting. You're playing my metrics at my game and choosing a different song. Yeah. Hey. Um, but also, yeah, it was uh, obvious. I don't know if you've seen the the video by John O'Gans um, uh, that he he did this gorgeous animated video starring uh, a grumpy little vampire who lives in a theme park. Here we are again, um, and who uh, and this little character that just gets besotted with him. And it's the cutest video and it just works so well. It's these gorgeous kind of uh, vintage Halloween uh, designs and just it's quite literal in a way <laughs> to the to the lyrics of the song. I so missed this video completely. I'm, oh, really? Oh, man. <laughs> you're in for a treat. Yeah, you're going to love it. It's so oh, wow. good. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I think, yeah, the, the video just fits the song perfectly. And the song itself is, you know, kind of about, you know, <laughs> being insecure about your teeth, which is, a, I think, a universal concern for us Brits. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it kind of, I think it harks back to Lucky Coin a little bit and just throwing off a lot of insecurity and... Um, self-doubt and you know being perfect as you are and self-acceptance and all that all that good hippie shit there isn't enough dentistry in pop music i don't think i've always thought so all right i mean the only other one i can think of off the top of my head is night pocket from yeah which i'm really mainly just doing shout out night pocket who are one of my favorite bands in the world and they need to start making songs again i could go downstairs and help my partner who is one half of panic pocket to do that because they're great yeah if um, you could do bottom teeth next <laughs> bottom teeth bottom teeth cardboard box exactly. just be like um also if like while briefly talking about overbite i want i feel obliged to shout out my friend miles who gave us some invaluable sequencing suggestions and it was his idea to stick overbite at the end because my like i was really really stubborn about how because it opens like all acapella i was like that should be on the start of a side that would sound really cool if you drop the needle on it mm. and he was just like nah this is the last song on the record this is the end of the night the glitter cannons are going off like that last chorus kicks in and you find all your mates in the club and you're hugging and you're sweaty and you're covered in beer and you're shouting about teeth. You're shouting about teeth. Yeah. Which and people don't do enough. No. Absolutely. I mean to say to say nothing of the fact we've also been a year without hugging all your mates and dancing and jumping up and down in the club. So, you know, <laughs> I think th- hopefully that like putting that song last not only honors the expertise of my friend Miles. Uh, in terms of all things sequencing, uh, also will be a positive, uh, positive talisman for things to come when we can all jump up and down and sing about teeth in a big group of people. Yeah. And confetti cannons go off, and it's really cool. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah. <laughs> I did think that as well. That it it wasn't an obvious choice to put it last. Are you? But it definitely works in that position like yeah that's where it should be but i wouldn't have thought that had it not been there yeah it didn't occur to any of us that that's no. where it belonged at all um i forget who like i forget who talked about it but i remember someone talking about sequencing albums in like being a like in theme of the movie and then the closing credits song like oh, yeah I feel like it's kind of that approach as well because I think maybe it's like the big finale scene and then you have the like interlude and then like overbite's almost like you've got the sort of soundtracking the fun bloopers over the uh, over the end credit kind of thing. I like that. Yeah. You mentioned uh, dropping the needle on it. You guys are doing vinyl. Oh yeah. I think uh, a slight delay on it because of you know the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's killing us. Like we've we've it's taken such a long time to even get to this point, and now just to have it like pushed a little bit further out of reach is like really. It's still Weird. coming out. It's still coming out when we're planning to have it out. It's just that the actual records are going to be slightly pushed back. But, yeah, exactly. And there's different options for the vinyl, right? Color wise. Yeah, so we've got two options. Um, so marble smoke is the kind of official one, and that's this really gorgeous. Uh, black and grey and kind of cream coloured, just woo, it's like a ghost. It looks really cool on the vinyl. Um, and then the other option is eco vinyl. It's like vinyl. Dollywood on Halloween. <laughs> it's like Dollywood on Halloween, exactly. Um, that's that's really what we were going for. Um, and the other one is eco vinyl, and eco vinyl is where they take a load of uh, runoff. Uh, different vinyl colours from other runs of other records and they just kind of mix it all together. So it's less waste. Um, uh, I didn't realise this, but vinyl is massively harmful to the environment and yeah. is really toxic when you dispose of it. So it uses up all the leftover little bits of vinyl and you can either get, it's really kind of luck of the draw in, in terms of how they mix it, but everyone is completely unique. It just means uh, that you could get like, a gorgeous like turquoisey blue color thing or it could just be like the color of mud um we just don't know you roll the dice right. you roll the dice exactly yeah i mean we, we were really hoping that one person would just pre-order all of the all of the lucky dip vinyl mm. thinking it was some kind of tombola but sadly that did not come to pass and unfortunately just like lots of different people are ordering them so you know i guess we'll so have to I. canvas We'll have to canvas them all for photos and like, yeah. try and make content out of it, I guess. You put a golden ticket in one of them and then you get to go to whatever band has done a chocolate factory theme park. I don't know. Who would that be? That's really taking things up a notch. Who would that it be? It is. I like that it's not even a ticket to one of our shows. It's just like an extremely like five steps ahead of thinking. Mm. Um Yeah. People aren't interested in gigs anymore. They just want to go to theme parks what and chocolate factories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get with the times. Yeah, fair enough. I think yeah. uh, our, ne our next record is going to be a chocolate factory. Hell yeah. You heard it here first. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. If you, if anyone out there listening knows knows or has a chocolate factory guy that they can get us in with so we can actually make this happen. Now, Keith will um, know someone. Yeah, it will. He'll be like, "Oh yeah, Charlie Chocolate Factory, yeah. <laughs> little Charlie Chocolate Factory." Exactly. No songs, just chocolate. Yeah. Same writing, I guess. <laughs> Merch-wise, you guys have koozies as well. Yeah, I didn't know what a koozie was, and yeah. I didn't know I needed one until we got some, and now you can't live without them. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't live with aside, that. aside of laying down sick bass riffs and awesome backing vocals Healy's greatest contribution to this band has been like helping us up our merch game like the whole homeware range that we've inadvertently sort of oh, wound up doing who is Lucky been... Douglas? ah so <laughs> Lucky Douglas So my, I have a friend called uh, Luke Luke Douglas who I've known for a long time since we were both at university together and he is um, one, uh, maybe our biggest supporter. He he's like a football mum, just with how dedicated he is to being like, you know, 
listen to fight milk and fight milk had done this cool thing and like you know ma- making sure that well, we have packed lunches whenever we go on tour or whatever like he's that guy um he's just a, a very very good friend and a very very loyal fan of the band um but at university he was affectionately known as lucky douglas so we thought uh, a fitting thank you and a tribute to him would be to represent him in the form of a ridiculously muscular otter um, and stick him on a t-shirt and it, you know I think he's happy or he's I offended I don't know <laughs> we, we also didn't actually tell him we were going to do this I don't think no that's true yeah like it was literally we did it and then I think we may have sent him a message tied in with announcing the record which is like Oh, yeah, you might want to just take a look at what's on the merch because that's you. He was fine yeah. with it, thank God, because otherwise yeah. it would have been a really expensive uh, waste of time. But yeah, exactly. Fortunately, all good. Yeah. Did, how do you feel about the whole otter aspect of it? It was the part he was happiest with, I think. Oh, good, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, <laughs> Who doesn't love he's otters? Very, very much, uh, you know, identifies with otters. Uh, and as an otter so um you know i I think it's far and away the best animal avatar we could have given him and and like you wouldn't want to be a i don't know a shrew or something no or a capybara all the taming involved all the (laughs) all the taming you just can't tame a damn shrew um i'll tame a damn shrew down exactly but no i think uh and you know everyone loves an otter I can't think especially, of a single bad thing about them. Especially oh. an otter sporting a big foam finger. Exactly. With like the pecs of Popeye. Oof. Oof. <laughs> Off otter. <laughs> Off ass otter. <laughs> otter just won't quit. <laughs> I think uh, Lucky Douglas might have to make his own solo album. I hope so. Yeah. Or at least, you know. That. Or at least his Charity own dance. Charity single. He yeah. totally needs his own dance with yeah. the pecs of Popeye. Exactly. It's just going to be a little, <laughs> little peck twitch. We'll consult with him. See what yeah, we'll see what you can do. Yeah. I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure his choreography game is as strong as his phone finger game. I'm sure. <laughs> Excellent. So that's all my questions. You guys got anything else you want to add? Um... <laughs> not, not beyond plugging i don't think um, so we peaked with otters yeah um when is this going out org probably the 17th not this monday but next monday so okay, okay cool right all right we can probably we can probably talk about the video then i we already did i already did talk about the video earlier what Briefly. the live one? Oh I didn't yeah plug I it but i i acknowledged its existence oh. okay well we can have a go at plugging it professionally have a go okay can we plug something okay we have something to plug uh because we didn't we we didn't get to do a proper album launch gig for this album that we've been so excited about putting out for you know a million years um we asked our very good friends at a venue called paper dress vintage if they wouldn't mind us putting on a virtual gig so uh we turned up it got filmed there's a smoke machine. There's, uh, you know, costume changes. Costume changes. There's, you know, backstage bullshit. Uh, 
it, it was a lot of fun and we put a lot of work into it and hopefully even though it is still a virtual gig and you do have to watch it on your computer or tablet or mobile platform of choice or smart um, tv or smart tv yeah you can watch it on a smart fancy. tv so um all being well we are plugging this video to go up on the 21st of may on our band camp and uh you can find our band camp at fightknockisaband.bandcamp.com um where you can watch us you know gurn into a microphone and hopefully we don't sound like a band who haven't really played together for over a year um but you know we'll let you be the judge of that um and if you do hear the live stream and think oh, it'd be really great if uh these songs could have been played with a little more care and attention then you might enjoy the album which is we which we are playing songs off and only songs off i'm not gonna spoil the surprise no surprise on it we're just playing the album it's good um the album is called contender that'll be out by the time you hear this we've already what gone dates through... out? what what dates are out three days ago what date was oh it right out? we're in the future now pretend. Oh, we're in the no, future. Project... <laughs> astral projecting for the sake Ooh. of plugging accurately um it's out the 14th it was out on the 14th on the 14th it will be was out on the 14th um, like that new song, grammar. <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, and aside from the fancy pants vinyl editions you can get, you can also order it on compact disc. You can download it, and it will be available on tape if you have a tape deck that has a CD capability as well, and you play it and tape it off the CD. You can get it on tape that you made yourself from that bit. We don't care. We don't care that home taping is getting me duck. You can tape our album. It's fine. Not the first one. You can only tape the new one. Only permission. The new one. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Legally. (laughs) This is binding. Um, And is that it for things to. I mean, we don't have any gigs apart from the digital virtual live stream one. And at the Bandcamp, there's a bunch of merch, including koozies, which is exciting. Including koozies. Hey, can I talk about koozies for a second? Because I didn't know what a koozie was until very recently, as I've mentioned. Um, sometimes when I'm out and about, I'm drinking a fizzy pop and my hand gets cold because. <laughs> and I think to myself, what I really need is like a little sheath for this can. Um, and that's just what a koozie is. It keeps your can cozy in your can co- in your cozy can koozie. Co- uh, cozy can koozie. Wow. It's a cozy can koozie. My it favorite member of the Ring beer cold. <laughs> just I'm, I'm just overexcited that we've got new merch and uh you know it's merch you can put a beer in i mean we've already had merch you can we've already had merch you can put a tea in and then merch you can dry up the merch you can put the tea in so it's just nice to have merch you can put a beer in yeah next we'll have our own like craft Science. beer yeah yeah at the chocolate theme park this is going to be amazing <laughs> oh, it all ties together it all Incredible. it all comes back that's my milk chocolate fountains it's coming oh god here we go tie in with oh, the album album three that will come out as a chocolate factory all right hope you enjoyed that i know i did i really can't say enough about what a great record contender is 
super catchy tunes, great melodies, very cool lyrics. There's one tune we didn't get to, You Are Not the Universe, which is in the big run-up to the end. But seriously, go to Bandcamp right now and buy the record. You'll thank me. Fightmilkisaband.bandcamp.com And if you're interested, we did an interview for my old podcast, The Counterforce, when their first album, Not With That Attitude, came out back in 2018. Yeah, another great record y'all should check out, thecounterforce.net. And, you know, definitely let us know what band you think would have the best amusement park. We've been going for quite a while now, so I'm going to sign off, but check out all the Young Southpaw stuff up at youngsouthpaw.com. And my other work is up at augstone.com, A-U-G-S-T-O-N-E.com, including info on my Nick Cave's Bar memoir that came out earlier this year. Thanks for listening, y'all. Please share and subscribe. I'm going to play you out now with Fight Milk album closer, Overbite. This tune is just a total joy. Last night I freaked out and I thought I was dying
looking at you too, front teeth. 